0: Our favorite day of the week at yet another DC animated podcast is Game Night.
1: Although we usually play the Batman version of Monopoly. Where literally everything is owned by Bruce Wayne. We also like jumping over to the Marvel Universe and playing Marvel Dice Throne. Marvel Dice Throne is a fast and fun
0: board game for all ages. Each player selects one of eight heroes to face off in a head-to-head
1: battle to see who earns the right to take the throne. Gameplay involves strategically rolling a dice to activate special abilities, playing unique hero cards to manipulate results, and upgrading your hero board to power up your stats. This is currently being crowdfunded on Kickstarter and will have Kickstarter exclusives. So go there now to reserve your copy. This is yet another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of the, end of the DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996, which is
0: when part one of the long Halloween graphic novel was released. In 1996. Oh. I clipped it. And now I'm the one with the comic book knowledge. I've taken it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just like every Halloween curse. You take the power and everything. And you know what? This is great because this is our Halloween episode. I know we already had one with Constantine, but this, this seems more official. Part two. This is
0: Halloween episode part two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. The, the DC anime podcast kills. This is the name of it now. <laughs> Now, update this in the canon timeline. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking our Halloween episode today of all frights and ghouls and bats, really, because this time around, we're talking about Batman, The Long Halloween, which we just mentioned premiered in, well, not premiered, but was released in 1996. The movie that we're talking about today is going to be two parts. It's a two part film. We're doing both parts here today, y'all.
0: Yeah, we we were like, should we split these up? But I mean, it's one big story anyway. So we figured we could cover, let's two birds and one stone this thing. Let's get all the long Halloween out in one three hour. No, it won't be three hours. It
1: was three hours of movie content, though. It was three hours. (laughs) And we're going to shorten that significantly. (laughs) So, yes, this is a two part film that was released in June and July of 2021. So it's relatively new. From just about at the time of our recording, is about six months old now. um Both were about a runtime of eighty-five minutes. One was a little longer than the other, I think, and that's really just because they added in a little cut scene at the end for us. And they are adapting, as we mentioned, Jeff Loeb's and Tim Sales' uh, critically acclaimed story, Batman: The Long Halloween. This cast is so stacked, yo. Like I especially because it is basically three hours <laughs> like there's everybody is coming through. Um, so, but we're going to, I'm going to mainly focus on the the people who are in both parts or at least survived both parts, because <laughs> right. again, this is a Halloween movie. Uh, we have Jensen Ackles who got promoted from Red hood to be, to play Batman. Now Josh to who kind of redeemed himself. I want to say after Netflix's Jupiter's legacy, uh, <laughs> Much better here, voicing Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Two-Face. We have Billy Burke as Jim Gordon. He is not the commissioner yet, if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, film. he's. they he's... say captain, I think. Yeah, they say captain. I don't think he got commissioner until so much later. So gave the promotions for him, too. We also have the voice of Alfred from the Batman animated series back in the early 2000s uh alistair neil duncan comes back to voice alfred one more time for that dry wit that we love oh so much uh rounding it out we have titus welliver from bosch who's playing this time carmine Falcone, the criminal mastermind but more of the criminal mafia kind of dude uh, and then finally we have the late naya rivera who's voicing catwoman in her final performance before her tragic death yes definitely rest in
0: peace naya rivera um, and, you know, they tribute her, but also, yes, the rest in peace. Um, she's she's fantastic in this role and it's a great performance.
1: Yeah, God, definitely agree. And we're going to dive into not only her role, but the rest of this film here as we immediately open up to what seems like a shady business deal going down between Bruce and um, Carmine Falcone. And it is hard to tell who anybody is at first because everyone is jacked.
0: Uh we're back. <laughs> yes. We're back to our, our this is a Jacko lantern room full of just absolutely muscle-bound dudes and I was like, "Oh, that's Bruce." I couldn't tell because I confused him with the other 10 extremely well-built men in the room. <laughs> but yes, I assure you this is uh even though it's the most Jack lineup, it's a different animation style as well mm-hmm. than what we're used to and it's it's more it's more akin to, I would say, like a motion comic, it almost feels like, at times, with the yeah. hard lines and and everything. And it, it feels, it immediately feels different.
1: And even yeah. the opening is different, too. But I love this new animation style, right? Very much like a motion comic. And going to that opening scene, it was just beautiful, honestly, beautiful artwork, in my mm-hmm. opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. It, it definitely helps it stand apart. And I think the the beginning also helps to stand apart because it's a beginning, very, very interesting. Not a lot of Bruce, not a lot of Batman, mm-hmm. not a lot of crazy supervillain action. It just starts with, you know, Bruce is talking to, the, to um, a mob boss and then suddenly we're just thrown into it. We're just thrown into credits and glimpses of what we'll see. And it's kind of disorienting. You kind of don't know where things are where we really are but mm-hmm. we do know that it is Gotham because someone gets murdered and it doesn't take too long for that to happen <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes we have our first killing of the long halloween this is uh, who seems to be a person within the mafia with either the Carmine Falcone or the Sal Moroni gang, um, Sal Moroni, who will be introduced to later. He's going for a bath and unfortunately he gets shot point blank by a concealed individual who we only see is toting a gun with some tape wrapped around the handle and a very interesting silencer. There is a baby bottle nipple at the tip of the gun so this is already kind of like a question of what is going on here and as this masked individual shoots the crime person uh he leaves behind a jack-o'-lantern and a gun opening up to our credit our title scene here of batman the long halloween i kind of i really like this i thought it was really cool yes
0: as far as title openings go this is one of the better ones out there. Um, Mm. It just instantly introduces you to the main conflict before you even really know what it is and what it's going to be. And really just makes it clear that this is not going to be your average Batman punch fest. This is going to be something different. And we get these cuts right after the opening credits of different people celebrating their Halloween. Like Alfred is, Still hoping people are going to come all the way to Wayne Manor. Are you kidding me? Walk out there for like half a good bar? No, thank you, (laughs) sir. And you also get this adorable scene of Jim Gordon with his kids. And Barbara is dressed up as a little Barbara is dressed up as a police officer. Great foreshadowing to her eventually, you know, following Batman's footsteps and becoming Batgirl. But it's just so damn adorable the scene of him with his kids and just trying to enjoy the holiday. But, uh, you know,
1: murders happen in Gotham, so you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and our final person on our three protagonists here is Detective Harvey. Sorry, not detective, sorry. District Attorney Harvey Dent. Let me put some respect on his name real quick. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's he's there with his wife. He's finally come home and the two of them are just kind of having a moment. It seems that there's definitely some distance between the two, but we don't get a chance to really... Process what's happening because as soon as he looks out to the sky, he sees that there is the bat signal flooding out. So now it's time for the our three, I don't know, where how to describe it, but like our Gotham knights to, okay. to I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, they um they go up and meet on the the top of GCPD where they're talking about this murder that's just happened. And each time that new evidence is coming out as they're talking amongst each other, each person gets upset about something that happens
0: yeah and it's really striking to see harvey dent especially seems to have a wild reaction to everything Mm. that happens you know foreshadowing his kind of dual nature right there but they all want this to go down they all want to take these these mobsters down and they just don't have the means to yet and while they're talking and agreeing we're going to be partners on this. We're going to watch each other's backs. Batman uh, catches Catwoman out of the corner of his eye. And because it's Batman and Catwoman, he has to go chase her immediately.
1: Yeah. And this chase is so reminiscent of Batman Hush in that scene in which they're um, running after each other in this cat and mouse game that they continue to play throughout all these years. Um, I think my favorite moment that came out of that was like, Batman did not land on the movie train as gracefully as he thought he was going to. <laughs> As Batman is chasing after Catwoman, at the same time, Carmine Falcone is having the mob boss meeting. He's talking with his gang. He's showing them that he has this power because at some point people are questioning it. So uh, we already get our second death here unrelated to our serial killer. Uh, As he mentions now that he wants to hide his money in a safe place because right now there's no bank really that's willing to launder the money for him. And we immediately cut now to selena and batman finding said money in the abandoned warehouse, it seems.
0: yeah and there are stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks Ooh. it's like a like a mcdonald's playhouse full of stacks i don't know why specifically <laughs> that metaphor came into my mind maybe because of halloween i don't know but <laughs> there is it's a house it's a house of cash and interestingly batman's like why don't to steal it and she's like "Ah, no, I don't feel like it and kind of just dodges the question as Harvey Dent comes in and they decide like if we call it in they'll come by they'll get the money back in a day so mm-hmm. should we burn it heads or tails Batman pulls out the coin and says heads we burn it and ironically because we don't we didn't know it at the time but it's a two-sided coin that has heads on both sides so Batman was so down to commit arson that day. He left it not to chance at all. (laughs) And they set the money on fire. And in a decision I really like that was disorienting at first, but I like after the scene, we cut to the next holiday. Um, We immediately cut to Thanksgiving after this warehouse burning scene. And it doesn't tell you right away. It kind of lets you piece together, but there's some gaps in time. So we get to, fill in some holes in the investigation since
1: then and kind of just get dropped into this whole new chase on Thanksgiving. Yeah. But before we do jump to Thanksgiving, do want to point out that um, in a very well-placed time to do this too, after they burn the money, Harvey's returning home and it seems like he's having, he's decided to move forward with this life because he feels like he's finally got Falcone in some way, shape or form. But as he's talking with his wife, and it seems the two of them are reconciling after their fight from earlier, uh, the house explodes. And we're left to this ambiguous notion of, did Harvey and Gilda survive this fire? Because it's just like, did we just lose a Gotham night here in like the first 15 minutes of our film? Yeah,
0: it, it really is such a shock right away. And I, I, I do love how they just throw you into it. And they just leave it mm-hmm. ambiguous. And then, yes, then they cut to, you know, the Thanksgiving chase where Batman is hunting down someone. And you're like, oh, yeah. did they kill Harvey Dent and, and Gilda? And after he realizes his his windshield should be bulletproof, that during a intense shootout slash chase scene, we get a crazy fight scene in the middle of Chinatown where one of the gangsters has taken refuge here. And there's just three dudes that he knows that are just down to fight Batman. No question asked. Their hands are ninety nine percent off today, and they're just giving them
1: all to Batman. <laughs> Yo, and also, just like I need to know where did the weapons come from? Because I don't these, know, they, None they, of these huge are weapons in any way, shape, or form.
0: <laughs> yeah, what do they get? These huge weapons that are like do giving the business to Batman. Jesus.
1: So, we do find out that after Batman has brought in one of the people, that Harvey Dent did survive. His wife is by his bedside. Seems that she was able to leave unscathed, but Harvey seems to have received some kind of either just kind of some kind of trauma in some way, shape, or form. And this leads to probably one of my favorite scenes of this movie, just because it took me out of the fact that this is a superhero film and made it be a bit more, this is a. This could be like a detective or crime kind of noir film. Because in this moment, we have Carmine Falcone. He's talking with his son, Alberto, who was kicked out the room in an earlier scene. And Alberto is now saying that, like, you know, he wants to he wants to make his own moves in a way. Like a lot of the stuff that his dad is doing just seems so antiquated to the whole mafia code. And this is when Carmine, again, is just like, yo, you need to respect my game. You can't be out here talking the way you talk, acting the way you act, pulling moves the way you're doing them without my permission in some way. Like, yes, this is kind of bad that we're seeing like Carmine Falcone acting this way, but it does show his power that he has on Gotham and among the members of his family and this mafia family who, as we're seeing this, Catwoman and Harvey Dent are also outside witnessing this whole thing going down.
0: Yeah, and it's such an interesting scene because Falcone... Was willing to choke out his own son because his son sent flowers in the family name (laughs) to Harvey Dent. He's like, you know, I can't, I can tolerate sloppiness, but not like insubordination. So, yeah, this is not Father of the Year. All right. Like, (laughs) move over Silas Stone right now. (laughs) Yeah. Move over Silas Stone. We got a worse father. (laughs) And like you said, I like this scene because it's just a scene between two, a villain and his son. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no. There's no heroes to be found. There's no other outside influences. It's just them. And two moments I have to quickly mention: one, Batman meets Solomon Grundy in the sewers. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, the the gangster tries to escape in the sewers, but Solomon Grundy's there, and Batman's like, "Yo, we cool, right, Grundy?" And Grundy's like, "Whatever, all right." And you know, Batman. Pretty sure he's
1: like plotting. Just like, is this is this going to be a new Robin? Can I? Yeah. Can
0: I- <laughs> could I? Let me think about it. And you know, Batman gives him a nice turkey leg in exchange. I like this mm-hmm. relationship. They're just like, I don't mess with you. You don't mess with me. We're good. And also, when Harvey was in the hospital, half his face was cloaked in shadow. Mm-hmm. And when it turned, his face is unscarred, which is just a great bait and switch for everyone who was like, oh, this is how he got his. Oh, no, he's fine. Fantastic. That aside, back to the present. Harvey is stalking the building, but Jim. Happens to swing by and he's like, yo, you good, bro? And it, Harvey's like, yeah, yeah I, I got confused. I'm just going to I'm just going to go. And Jim and one of the most gangster things I've ever seen him do gives Harvey one of his pieces and says, you know, for protecting your family. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jim.
1: Come on, Jim. I. I need to know if that was police issues because I feel like you're not supposed to give away the like the resources you get from work.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just had a spare gun line around, I
1: guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Uh, I think it's it was important because it feel it feels like this entire time Harvey is the only one that had no way really to get out of any kind of scenario like he was putting himself out on the line for a lot of things now all of our all of our knights are kind of out there protecting gotham in some way shape or form uh, unfortunately they weren't able to protect what happened to the the other mafia crew or i think this was the san hoy clan the triad clan that um, batman was chasing after at the beginning of thanksgiving they were not able to protect them because once again our killer walks in on them having Thanksgiving meal and shoots each and every single one of them with the same taped handled gun with the sawed off serial number and a baby bottle nipple on the nozzle of the gun, leaving behind a, was it cornucopia? Is that what it called? the little? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm so surprised that I knew that word off the top no, of my good. head. <laughs> you know, so we learned something in our uh,
0: imperialist Columbus Day classes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. This is two holiday murders in a row. Now, Jim and Batman are kind of, you know, they're kind of like a little uneasy. Like they don't know what to do. So they go to the creepiest villain in this movie, Calendar Man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Who the the vocal delivery. I'm not sure. Do we know who the actor this is? Because whoever did it. Oh, yes. Absolutely killed it. Because um, they're so creepy. The voice is so unsettling. The it's just so measured while they're talking about
1: death. It is uh your favorite dude. David Damasian, David Damasian who has ah. played so many DC villains and heroes and characters already. Like, you know him as Polka Dot Man in the Suicide Squad. You know him as Abracadabra in the Flash television series. He He's everywhere. <laughs> There's he's no secret in the Ant Man franchise. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, this was a, I think this was his fourth Batman villain role. I think, or fourth DC role currently and more to come because we need, definitely need to have his voice or his presence in the DC universe. He was so great
0: at, because they like calendar man is a holiday team guy. Let's see if he knows anything. And calendar man is very mysterious, very obtuse. He won't give much. And it's kind of like psychologically like breaking them down a little bit too, which is very fascinating to see. And at one point, he makes a point to say, the two of you came here alone without Harvey Dent, is that because you didn't want him to know what you're doing because you think he's a suspect? And then mm-hmm. automatically, it's like, oh, wait a minute. They do. They do think Harvey mm-hmm. could be behind these killings. And it really changes the dynamic going forward because now, you know, Harvey is on the outside of these nights. And what I like is that shortly after the scene, Batman kind of questions. He's like, I didn't realize how much detective work this would take. Yeah. Am I a bad detective? Cause I, I thought that myself <laughs> internally. <after this> point. <laughs> I'm like, I thought Batman's a little sharper than this. So it was nice to acknowledge that this is a point in his career. They never really established what part of his career is it? We assume early because Gordon Sullivan, police captain. As, as yeah, two a faces, is not. It's just one face. <laughs> exactly. So you assume it's relatively early. So it was nice to get a, from him saying out loud, like, I need to sharpen my detective skills because I don't know what's going on. I'm completely lost. And while he's trying to figure these out, Valcone, I mean, I have never, never grieved a henchman really before. But Falcon had the biggest dude on planet Earth. I'm nice. talking like mountain big uh, as his guard. Didn't help the joke <laughs> when the Joker broke in and threatened him and said, basically, Joker was like, whoever's trying to steal my thunder, you got to let me know. And as the Joker gets away and the, this big henchman earns his paycheck by trying to kill the Joker, he gets shot. The big henchman is shot by the holiday killer once more. And again, same same trademarks, no leads, leaving everybody on edge.
1: Again, I kind of really loved how they're cutting through the holidays, because this is very much how I felt in the comic book as well. It's just like you focus on that one particular day. And next we jump over to New Year's as... Bruce is now in the back cave evaluating every single person that could be a suspect. Like he's thinking it could be somebody in the Moroni crime family. He's thinking that it could be somebody in the Falcone crime family. He's thinking that it could be, you know, somebody that he's probably already crossed paths with, but the most important part is there is an individual whose name and identity isn't revealed as that fifth suspect on his list. and, Alfred, which I really loved, is kind of like his sounding board throughout this entire film. And it's like it really does feel like this is the dynamic these two have because he questions Bruce and asks him, like, are you sure you don't have a fifth suspect or do you have one who's clearly in mind, who fits the bill perfectly, but you're just refusing to put up there because you're afraid of what it will mean? All while telling him that, Bruce, you got to also hurry up because there's a yacht party you have to go to. And I already pressed your suit, bro. So you need to you need to go because I need to catch up on my honeymooners marathon. <laughs>
0: yeah, Alfred is. Uh, Alfred didn't get invited either, so I'm pretty sure he's bitter. Yeah, we're we <laughs> gonna get
1: the invites? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on, let, let him at least serve at the thing. So at this New Year's, there's a lot of great interpersonal stuff that happens at this New Year's party because Falcone calls Bruce Wayne his honorary son in front of his biological son, (laughs) which is, again, father of the year right here. We see the hint that Batman and Selina tried to make things work, but it just didn't work out between them. And you also get a scene where Alberto, the jilted son, is talking to Catwoman and kind of like coming clean about his past, hinting that... He was involved with a woman some time ago, but the family didn't approve. So the woman, something happened to the woman that we don't know quite yet. So a lot of important things are happening on this yacht. But as much as Batman would love to stick around, Joker's got a plane. He's got some (laughs) Joker gas and he's about to kill a whole lot of people.
1: Yeah. And this is probably Batman's what seems like his first take on fighting against you know, criminal at this level because he's on the plane tackling it as the rest of the city is trying to save themselves. There's a crazy moment in which one of the things I appreciate about this film is that it's not solely based on Batman to really carry everything. We have Gordon and Dent who are also doing some things on the side and we see once again that there's trouble within the Dent home as um, now, Gordon and his wife are getting some insight that there's definitely some issues that are happening there. And it's clear that Gilda isn't happy with how long things are taking to take down Carmine Falcone and all the work that Denton has been doing. But this all gets stopped as soon as Joker is flying around with his on his plane. And as uh, he and Batman are talking, Joker and Batman are fighting, he says something that alerts bruce to something in his detective skills to find the ones that he finally acquires in this final level and after he takes down the joker and leaves it over to gcpd to cut him down from the basically it was like the big ben tower yeah wait a minute wait a minute. we gotta stop for a second batman leaves the joker
0: on top of a clock <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> now, taxpayer dollars are going to have to go into getting Joker down from that clock. Batman could have left his ass on the ground. All right. Like he didn't need to do
1: that. That is very true. Like, what, what were they going to do? Wait until they hit six o'clock to get him a little closer to the ground? No, man. <laughs> like Batman, come on, man. We need you to do do better. Like you could have wrapped him up on the know, like a light pole or something.
0: Right. Do better, Batman. Sorry, I just had to point that
1: out. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. We need to call out Batman for what he's not doing. And that's making things easier for the people of GCPD. <laughs> so as Batman is rushing back over to Yahi, he encounters Alberto Falcone and Selena. They're talking with one another. Alberto at one point tries to put the moves on Selena, which she immediately rejects and shuts down. And this is when Batman starts confronting Alberto and is just saying, like, you know what? It makes sense now. Everything that the holiday killer has been doing, the only person that's going to benefit from it has been you take out Carmine Falcone's people little by little to the point where eventually you take the seat. And as Batman is basically talking everything through one thing, I also have to point out to Selena yelled out Batman's real name in front of Alberto Falcone. Um... Yeah.
0: I was like, well, well, I was I was legitimately shocked when she did that because I, I didn't realize that she knew Batman's zoo identity at this point. Mm-hmm. But I was also because I was like, "Oh, now he's got to
1: die." Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was like if this did solidify the fact that Alberto was going to die. I don't know what will. <laughs> Um, And as soon as that happened, he pretty much did die because even though he professed that he did not want to be a part of this crime family whatsoever, he'll give everything up for just some semblance of a normal life. He immediately gets shot by Holiday, who is standing above in another level of the ship that they're on, and he repeatedly shoots Alberto to the point where he falls overboard and gets chopped up in the water by the blades of the ship. The most, one of the most brutal
0: deaths uh, in any DC film. I mean, I assume he was dead before he hit the propeller, hopefully. Uh, but yeah. still, jeez, that was that was rough. Yeah. That was that was a rough one.
1: As they're now just like dealing with the aftermath of all this, our Gotham Knights are back together in what looks like kind of like the alley where Bruce's parents died. Um, yeah, weird, weird meeting spots, guys. They're talking there, and this is the first time I think I've ever seen Batman acknowledge that, like, yo, my detective skills are shit. Mm-hmm. I need to do better. And we we failed to find the killer. We blamed somebody else who clearly wasn't the killer. And now we're back at square one. What do, what do we do? Yeah, they still are no close to catching the holiday killer
0: except suspecting that that might be it. And as we come to the close of part one and we still wonder like, who could this possibly be? The ultimate teaser is that at a funeral for Alberto poison Ivy just takes over Bruce. Mm -hmm. There you go. This is this movie will seriously give you hush vibes. Ironically. I (laughs) rewatched hush not too long before this movie. And I was like, poison Ivy's here too. (laughs) Everybody's back. It's like smash. And hard cut to part two. We're not stopping. We're not stopping Mm-mm. here. We're going to stop. Exactly. So part two, we find out for three months, Poison Ivy has had Bruce and Alfred under her control. And fortunately Catwoman comes and checks in on things because Catwoman comes and finds Bruce and in an really great fight scene you you should definitely check out if you haven't seen yet. She goes off against Poison Ivy essentially by herself and yeah. manages to free Bruce from Poison Ivy's grips, give her a well-deserved kick to the face, <laughs> and lets Batman know, hey man, you signed away aspects of your company. Also, holiday killings are still going on. Also, um... Maybe you should get to to Arkham Asylum soon. It is such a bad day to be Bruce Wayne.
1: Oh, yeah, no. It it is like, this is the worst April Fool's joke that we would have ever received because we're pretty much at April Fool's Day now as they also cut to a scene in which they show us that um, during Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day, there were also some more killings. And um, on Mother's Day... This is the one that I'm still trying to figure out why they decided to go this route. Uh, Because it does happen in the comics too. But Mother's Day was dedicated to Scarecrow, uh, his release from Arkham Asylum. So now he is traveling around on a horse and he's Uh, saying that... Why does Arkham Asylum have voices? I have no idea. Like, where would you even hold them? Like, I'm
0: sure it's therapeutic for, you know people across the board to ride horses but this is arkham asylum do not give them any edges whatsoever
1: <laughs> stealing horses ridiculous oh, man. so as scarecrow is being chased down by batman we get a chance to see what's happening with our other you know our other gotham knights because harvey and and jim are now just looking over another murder that's happening it seems like they found the location where holiday has been has been getting his guns from because it makes sense now i always i was thinking it's like how does he get all these different guns that look exactly the same um it's because he's getting them from somebody and that person now has been killed because holiday is trying to cover his tracks so uh batman gets hit by some fear toxin while fighting scarecrow in yeah. a and scarecrow is Scarecrow is so smart because
0: Scarecrow tried to spray Batman with the gas. Batman's like, nah, ready for that. Mm-hmm. Got the mask. So he hasn't injected, he has a syringe <laughs> of fear toxin. I can get behind a villain that has a backup plan.
1: Yes. <laughs> so Batman's freaking out. He's seeing so many different things, um, leading him to once again seeing the death of his parents. Um, which he's now kind of seeing mimicked in this other family because he makes his way over to Crime Alley where his parents were killed. There's another family there who's coming from a the movie theater who you're thinking, like, oh, this is maybe a flashback. But no, this is actually happening as Bruce falls forward in front of them as he's crying out for his mother in a very, you know, wild scene because the only person that can save him and bring him back is Selena Kyle, who carries him back to wayne manor mvp mvp mm-hmm. of this movie
0: literally batman would be dead and broke eight times over if selena yep. was not in this movie <laughs> 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 so yeah she's out there saving the world and we get a quick flashback where we see as a child the mob brought carmine Falcone to the house after he got shot five times like Oof. a geez man like you survived that. Good, good on you. Oh,
1: Second to 50 Cent now, man. Exactly,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly. So Thomas Wayne patches Carmine up, and Bruce happens to sneak into the room, the operating room, and Carmine spots him and says, "You know, come over here." Gives him a coin, the double-sided coin uh, that he would later give to Dent, and lets him know. Basically, Carmine's like, "Yo, if you want something in life, you got to take it." That that's basically all it is. <laughs> Some gangster advice from a gangster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's it's very interesting to see this scene play out. Now knowing that Carmine was like, "Oh yeah, this is the son I wish I never had." So there's kind of kind of a mutual respect between the two. And right after the scene, Denton Gordon start following up on Bruce's um, disappearance. Because apparently, for three months, they. <laughs> kind of didn't notice bruce wayne was missing much. <laughs> or batman <for> the- <laughs> yeah and <laughs> they were like i guess he's just busy on vacation i get it they're kind of interrogating bruce to see if he's holiday because he was on the yacht and his a statement was accounted for alfred has the alibis paid up like he's already mm-hmm. he's already good to go but he in addition to Alfred's ass, you get one of my favorite lines of this movie where Jim Gordon is calling out the fact that Thomas Wayne has some connections to Falcone and they had some mob ties and stuff. And Alfred goes, will there ever be a time where the sins of the fathers don't have to be redeemed by the sons? Damn, Alfred. Damn. Bars. Write a poetry book. Yeah, bars, bars. That is such a ah, fantastic line. Fantastic line, man. So
1: after dropping that heat, <laughs> we get some more heat building up on the Falcone side because his daughter has returned. Who, in my opinion, earns the most jacked individual ah. award? That's that's facts. That's facts. Ever this woman? whoo, this she's a big woman. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. and she wants to see at the table. She's like you know, with Alberto gone, there isn't much left of us. So. I need to get this seat. And Carmine says that, you know, if you try now, it's gonna look like I'm weak, especially because we keep taking so many hits. So that's cool for now. Uh, but it re- they revealed that the main reason why she wants a seat at the table is because behind her father's back, she's been dating Sal Moroni, his number one opposition. And she's trying to get to the point where they can finally squash everything that's happening. She feels that between her and Sal Moroni, the two of them could come together and really help take over Gotham once her father steps down. And it's something that Sal is for as he heads over to where his father lives to talk about, once again, time to broker some peace with the Falcones. Unfortunately, though, this is immediately cut short as Sal's father's life is also cut short.
0: Yeah, because unfortunately, it's Father's Day and the holiday killer don't take breaks. So, yeah. so um, Maroney tries to chase holiday down, but can't. And it's I love there's two things I love about the scene. One, it takes place in an orchard setting, similar to like the Godfather and Maroney. Mm-hmm. Maroney's father was essentially the Godfather in this. But secondly, Maroney trips going, let's say, south. All right, I, I I don't know the directions, but let's just say he trips going <laughs> south, and he's chasing Holiday, who's going south. Now, in the time it takes for Maroney to get back up, Holiday double backs north, leaves the calling card by the dead body, and gets <laughs> out of there. The cardio on Holiday next <laughs> level, next level cardio. <laughs>
1: We need to add another person to this list, the suspect list. It's got to be Flash. It's got to be reverse Flash, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Of course it was reverse Flash all along. Come on. (laughs) Oh, man. And, you know, we immediately jump to the next scene now. Sal is just like, you know what? I was talking to my father. His last words was telling me that we need to make peace with our enemies. And this entire time I thought maybe he was talking about the Falconis, but nah, he was talking about with the law because they got no worse enemy than the law. So Sal saying that he's willing to testify against everything Carmine Falcone has ever done if it means that he and his crew get pretty much immunity after all of this. So we're now it's, it's time for some fireworks as we jump over to July 4th, where Dent is a happy, happy man about everything that's about to happen. Yeah, Denton is happy,
0: but you can still see his his wife, Gilda, is still going through it and still d- suffering. And Jim and his wife have started to pick up on that as well. And just when it looks like things could get better, ah, you know, your typical hitman comes by and starts shooting at Denton and his wife. And luckily, Catwoman, again, the freaking MVP of this movie, cuts in <laughs> and essentially saves Harvey But Harvey, he can't let this one go. So he decides to chase after the assassin. In the the fray, Catwoman is knocked down. But Harvey pursues this assassin into the sewers. And Jesus, he tries to fight. But Harvey gets his ass handed to Mm him. My dude got the worst beating. Like, Batman has not even beat up a criminal this bad as Harvey gets beaten. And it leads to an incredibly interesting twist where Harvey passes out in the sewer, but he wakes up outside of the sewer with this dark voice telling him to get up. And a few feet away from him, he sees a gun and he sees the assassin is dead. And he doesn't know how that happened.
1: Yes. And not only is the gun there, but there's also a miniature... Statue of Liberty next to the gun, so once again it's Holiday's mo happening here. So Harvey runs away, and as he gets home, a couple of days have passed it seems because Batman was also the reason why he wasn't there is because he was dealing with uh, Scarecrow once again, as well as our Mad Hatter, who just <laughs> just. <laughs> Uh, it was it's such a weird, a weird, weird. Thing. Yeah,
0: Mad Hatter knocked out Batman from behind with like right. a, like a hard object. I was like,
1: I okay, sure. Also, the height difference alone would have made that impossible. Like, I I
0: guess he was distracted. I I don't know, but apparently he get knocked out by Mad Hatter. Batman quickly takes the two of them out as soon as they let their guard down. It's <laughs> It's ridiculous. The whole sequence is very ridiculous yeah. even for this movie. But in any case, Batman has taken care of these villains. Harvey is now questioning his own sanity mm-hmm. and we get to this great scene in court where Harvey is the voice in his head is getting louder and louder as he's trying to make this court case. And right when he has Maroni on the stand to testify, Maroni starts playing games. And so going like I don't know anything about Falcone. Like, what are you talking about, He's like, he's pleading the fifth. He's making jokes. Everyone's laughing at him. And if that wasn't bad enough, Maroney pulls out some acid
1: and dumps it on Harvey's face. Yes. And Harvey is able to turn just enough away so that it's not his full face. But he is falling over as... Batman and Gordon rush into the courtroom. The two of them weren't present at the time, mainly because Batman found some evidence that once again linked Harvey Dent to the holiday killer. So as they are running into the courtroom, this is when they see Harvey on the ground calling out in pain. And we cut to a scene now where Harvey's in the hospital as the voice in his head has now Taken over in a way. The two of them are having the conversation. It seems like this is a voice, a presence that has always been with him for all this time. At least this is what um, the voice has been telling him. And now Harvey receives a call, or rather, I should say, the voice receives a call telling him that they want to meet. And Harvey and his alter ego here escape.
0: I also want to mention the doctor said Harvey was going to be fine in a few days. Bro, acid. Is consumed <laughs> half of his face. He's not gonna be fine after a few days. Yeah,
1: no, no, I don't I don't know what kind of cockamamie kind of like lizard person you think of two faces, but nah, he, he's gonna be out for a while.
0: Yeah. But um, in any case, we it's time for Labor Day, which you know normally you don't have to worry about, but come on, the holiday killer is still out there, and during a party, foul. Fa- Kony is throwing his sister is the next victim of the holiday killings. And at this point, it's baffling. Like everyone is is baffled. Batman is desperate. He goes back to Gilda because now, you know, dense in the wind. And he asked Gilda, you know, I noticed it was an Oxford banner, which is the college Alberto went to. Did Two-Face go to Oxford and she's like no and he's like okay doesn't follow up on it doesn't ask any follow-up questions because he's (laughs) a bad detective at this point yep meanwhile Two-Face has done two important things one he's made an alliance with Solomon Grundy Mm -hmm. in the sewers two he's gone to a great tailor and gotten half his suit so it's (laughs) like acid burned and half is a normal suit don't know where you go for these kind of jobs in Gotham but that guy is never going to run out of money and right. <laughs> he decides to intercept the transport that has maroni on it
1: and this is just such a wild scene because as solomon grundy takes out the first car and knocks over knocks it over sal maroni is rushing out trying to escape and then he's confronted by what looks like the holiday Calibre but actually now two face revealing this old new suit everybody is shocked to see this reveal of two face we find out that not only is Two-Face hiding in the shadows, but Batman was also hiding as well. As He's impersonating when the guard is taking care of Sal Moroni as he jumps forward and is able to get in between, but not before Sal Maroney gets shot by the Holiday Killer, who is once again standing completely in a different location than where Two-Face is. So now we're all like, what the hell is happening? Did we not just determine that Two-Face Was the Holiday Killer? Who is the Holiday Killer at this point?
0: Yeah, and in in an odd move, Batman tries to go after the Holiday Killer, but Two Face Mm -hmm. tackles him. So now we're wondering again, what is going on here? Is this a Two Face setup? Did Two Face, you know, stage this so that we would it would throw off suspicion? But there's really no time to dwell too much on what happened with Two-Face and the holiday killer because it's Halloween again. And Falcone at some point in this movie has acknowledged that ever since these killings started, his organization has called it the long Halloween because started on Halloween, never ended. All these holiday killings kept going. And just on this Halloween, guess what? Arkham breakout, everybody, every villain we've seen up to this point who is individually proved to be a huge problem, is now blowing up the city, attacking the city. Everything is going crazy. Batman meets up with Falcone and is like, bro, <laughs> we need to put an end to this. And Falcone, admittedly, bold as hell, tries to shoot a shot and tries to take out Batman himself, which is, again, gangster as hell. But Catwoman, <laughs> once again, saves Batman. And this prompts Catwoman... To- Batman be like, all right, I appreciate you, I love you, but why are you always showing up? And this is a big reveal for Catwoman.
1: Yes, because in this time now, Selena explains she demasked, she explains to Bruce that the main reason why she's been following after Falcone and been listening in is because she never knew the identity of her mother. However, there's one person that may know who it is. And we pan over to Falcone, and in some surprising detective skills now, Batman ascertains that Falcone could theoretically be the father of Selena Kyle. This is such a touching moment here because Batman understands her. He understands her mainly because he too lost a mother. He lost his connection at a very young age, too. So now there are two individuals just trying to gain some semblance of what family means trying to get themselves some kind of connection to a world that maybe they've been lost in for so many years. This leads to a rekindling of their relationship that we saw ended back in part 1 of our film to now them kissing once again on these rooftops. And you know, normally there would be sparks in the air from a kiss this electrifying, but instead this is Gotham, so obviously it means that there's a building blowing up and that building was Arkham as all of our criminals are now escaping thanks to the help of Salmon Grundy and Two Face,
0: yeah, and they lead a gr- big assault on mm-hmm. Falcone's holdings. And oh, I gotta give it to Falcone's men; they tried, they, they, they really did. did try. They did
1: way better than what was it the the Metropolis Army did in um. <laughs> oh at yeah, Atlantis. where they Let's just shooting at up. water, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, they're shooting at
0: water. Like, come on, guys, and um. But they had the Joker, they had Mad Hatter, they got Poison Ivy. They got Scarecrow. There's just no shot against those people. And Sophia herself even tries to give all the villains the business herself. But unfortunately, she is taken down and seemingly killed in an explosion. And Two-Face just walks into the office, has Falcone at gunpoint, and is going to do the classic coin flip to determine their fate. But Batman and Catwoman show up just in time to try to get in the
1: middle of this. Yes, and they were able to take out a good majority of the of everybody that's on there. Like a lot of people got taken out in just like excellent ways. And unfortunately, Two-Face does have Carmine in his grasp with a gun pointed at his head and and at that moment he flips his coin one more time. This time it lands on Falcone being guilty and we don't even see him pull the trigger we just pan over to the coin to selena's face to batman because all of them have a stake in with the outcome of this now selena if he dies will selena know the truth about her family batman this is probably the biggest thing that's happened in front of him this is like the biggest stakes thing for the most part and it's something that he mentions i think in the in the film as well He's been mostly just been punching people and trying to instill fear into the criminal element. He's never had to do this work where he's been connected to the people that he's trying to investigate or trying to protect. So when Two Face pulls the trigger, puts two bullets into Falcone, this leads to Falcone dying on the ground as his daughter, Sophia, awakens up from what we thought she might have died during this event. But she opens the door, sees that Catwoman has tackled Two-Face and is pistol-whipping him as Batman is trying to stop the bleeding from Falcone. Sophia rushes after Selena and assuming that she was the one that pulled the trigger and the two of them are falling over the, the guardrail that Falcone was speaking on top of when he was meet, first meeting with Batman.
0: Unfortunately, Catwoman tries to save her possible sister, mm-hmm. but Sophia falls and dies in this in this chaos and catwoman gets back just in time to see Falcone take his final breaths and a really interesting move batman kind of hints at his own identity to falconi basically parroting a phrase about you know you got to take what you can get in life mm-hmm. so that falconi knows as he dies who batman is and he also mistakes catwoman for a woman we assume that was her mother and kind of saw gently establishes that Catwoman, this is her father, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. This is the father he, she never knew but had been following and dismantling his operations for months. And at the end of all this chaotic night, Jim and Batman talk, and Harvey takes the blame. He takes the blame for, obviously, Falcone's <laughs> murder because he did it, but he also takes the blame for all the holiday killings. And they they say the good guys won, but we won't know for a very long time if it was worth it. It's a great line. It's a very, very great line because it's a true line. And Batman's just like, mm, there's one thing, one thing that's out of place. Who is Holiday? And we finally get
1: to find out. Yes, because as he heads over to the home of Harvey Dent and Gilda, We see that Gilda is narrating or doing a monologue here as she's burning the clothes that Holiday has always been seen wearing and ends it all by throwing in the gun that Holiday has used in every single one of her killings. Gilda reveals that she was in love with Alberto Falcone. The two of them met in Oxford, they got pregnant and then She was going to be married to him, which they did. They got married. And it was a love that she's always appreciated and always wanted. However, Alberto told her straightforward that he is the son of Carmine Falcone, meaning that one day he may be the heir to the Falcone crime mob. And when he introduced Gilda to his father, he wasn't having it. He didn't like her. And this whole situation of her being pregnant was even worse. We find out there that in some way, shape or form, she lost the child or at least the child was taken away from her. It's never explained how this happened. So we pan over now to Batman who's hearing all of this. And she asked him the final question. Are you gonna turn me in for everything I did? And we don't know. We don't know if he decides to do so because all he does is just he walks away So it could be that he left her alone because he's realizing that so much has been done or it could be that he's really tying into like, you need to do justice here. It's left ambiguous, but yeah. He does ask her, you know, Mm -hmm. are you done? Are you done? It's holiday. And she replies, I'm not done. I'm finished kind of like emphasizing it, which I, which I loved, which was a really good moment for Gilda. Because for a woman who has been kind of painted this entire time throughout the film, it's just like, you know, she's she doesn't know what she's doing. She's very frantic to know that she was capable of all this. It's it's wild. But then we finally close out our film. Batman is at home. He's he's with Alfred, who's waiting for some trick or treaters once again, because it's Halloween again. And this time around, somebody rings the bell and it's a little kid with his parents and a little kid is dressed as Batman as bruce is watching alfred give him a candy and selena walks down showing that the two of them have rekindled their relationship and for me it showed that you know after the events of all this what they asked before was true did they make gotham safe yes because we got kids are able to trick-or-treat at the way manor and walk that 30 minute difference from the block (laughs) to where way manor actually exists
0: yeah and that that brings the second part to a close, our movie extravaganza to a close. Mm-hmm. So, oh, we do get
1: one final scene. Oh yes, Sorry. yes, yes. This is something that had not been confirmed yet, but it does seem like we're creating a bit of a animated movie universe here again, because we are connect at the end of the scene. The doorbell ring- rings once again. Alfred has walked up with his candy. But this time around, we have Flash and Green Arrow, are standing outside. And Alfred tells Bruce that Batman is for you. So you got to get to work.
0: They know he has the full-size candy bars. So they're here. Yes. That's <laughs> why they're here. So you got this extravaganza. What, what are you giving it? What are you giving Long Halloween? How many stolen horses from Arkham Asylum are you giving this out of 10?
1: <laughs> I'm giving this nine stolen horses it's a i was you know it's it's hard to tell what will happen in films like these are adapting older stories i felt that and especially this one which was in an unprecedented move broke it down to two parts um i felt like if they tried to put this all into one film it would have done horribly Mm -hmm. i think Pacing it out, I will say I definitely liked the first one more than I did like the second one, Um, but it really just felt really well paced out. I felt like characters who we were introduced to got a lot of time to shine. It reminded me very much of what I loved about the Death of Superman movie, where it's just like even small scenes were pinnacle to a lot of these characters. And I'm also kind of glad that our hero kind of got knocked down the peg in terms of this is a... Definitely seems to be an early season Batman. So his detective skills aren't really kind of like up there. And even there's that one moment in which Jim Gordon tells him, gives him a bit of advice on how to be a better detective. Like, I appreciated that happening. So what about you? How many horses from Arkham that Scarecrow has stolen given this?
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll give this one a, a solid eight and I'll, I'll rank them together as a product of eight. Main two reasons why it's an eight and not a perfect 10. The length. <laughs> you're going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to blot out essentially three hours to mm-hmm. see this whole story unfold. And that's great. But, you know, it it's almost, I almost felt like it, it, it even as an episodic thing, it might've, might've been a little better of a format, like a mini series of the long mm-hmm. Halloween, the mini series, because it is, it is a lot because you get to the end of the first part and you're like, I, I want to keep going, but it's another hour and a half at the same time. Mm. So it it is it is quite the time commitment. So I'm gonna say anything that's like more than three hours, you know, you gotta you gotta budget accordingly, or you know, just around that three hours. And um, I think the second thing that kind of kept it from being perfect for me is because the mystery goes on so long, it's hard to tell what's important in the grand scheme of things. And when you look back at some of the stuff, you're like, so the Joker plane scene doesn't really, doesn't really factor oh, into the yeah. finale or Mad Hatter knocking out Batman in the middle of the graveyard <laughs> doesn't factor in at all. So, these again if if it's a different format these vignettes and stuff would would be great, you know, little things to spice up an ep- episode two, You know, mm-hmm. mad hatter shows up. What what are they going to do? You know, what's what they're going to get into? But as when it's a 3-hour movie and you know, it could be shorter. <laughs> I wonder if there are sometimes you make some hard sacrifices for those just for the sake of the medium. Again, if this is the show cram it all in right Put every detail as a fan of harry potter who wants every little house elf named i can <laughs> i sympathize i get it but i know that can't fit into one movie you know so i think if it had been a different format perfect 10 out of 10 but i think just the length and the question of like did you need to really adapt everything <laughs> to get to the point but all that to say this is a great mystery. A lot of great symbolism, like the fact that there were baby nipples on the guns because Gilda's child was taken away. You know, yeah. that's the, the calling card connects. And I, the m- number one key thing I love and why I recommend this movie, all 17 hours of it, is <laughs> this does not feel like a Batman movie. This feels like a Godfather movie that mm-hmm. Batman just happened to be in. And I think that is so important because you know us. <laughs> you know how many Batman movies we oh have watched so and many. how many more <laughs> are on the way. <laughs> so to have a movie that legitimately feels like a crime epic instead of a Batman fantasy is such a great relief. It's such a great change of pace. So for that alone, I recommend this movie, but it is also just a well-paced mystery, tense, exciting Great action in the middle. It is definitely, if you're a Batman fan, see it and see, get something for once that is not all about Batman punching the Joker and solving all the problems. It's so much deeper and layered than that.
1: Yeah, I agree. 100% agree. I love this in terms of just like, it opens up the door of who Batman can be. And this is a lot of mythos that they've dropped into here, which we'll talk about now in our comic book section. Which today I'm going to give the name I Get Along with the Voices Inside of My Head, to quote Rihanna. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Okay. A little disturbia. All right.
1: <laughs> so today's comic book section is going to heavily focus in on the Falconis versus the Moronis, the origin of Two Face. So first off, this film is, once again, based off of the Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. It ran for about 13 parts from 1996 to 1997. And if you're wondering, like, hold up, Jeff Loeb, didn't we just talk about him? Yes, we talked about him because we were talking about Batman Hush. And we did talk about this film a little bit, actually, when we were talking about Batman Hush. This um, Jeff Loeb really knows how to write a detective-style film. Uh, comic book story now that i'm thinking about it yeah and for the most part it's a pretty close adaptation um except for the the big change uh most of the dialogue and the scenes and the character designs are pretty much pulled straight from the comic the the only thing um in terms of designs that was very different was they didn't hypersexualize the appearance of catwoman and batman <laughs> <laughs> so First off, one of the big characters that got introduced to here was the Falcone and the Moroni crime family. They are the mafia of Gotham. They got deep ties to the um to just like the history of Gotham. And it seems now that they're really pulling in and pushing in for that deep ties that Bruce has with the Falconis and his father. I think this is a very popular idea now. Like we've been seeing it come up in the Batman Telltale games and most likely it's going to be a plot device in the Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson as well. So this was a good introduction to see kind of like what that is like. Carmine Falcone was introduced in Batman year one back in 1987 and basically he's been controlling crime in Gotham ever since. So our movie comic here. As told by Jeff Lopin himself, was really inspired. The, the whole mindset of Carmine Falcone, he's basically the godfather. So, Andrew, yes, that, that's why there's so much strong symbolism of the <laughs> godfather in this. Good. I felt it. Yeah. Carmine is Vito Corleone. Alberto is Frito. Sophia, because of her kind of like a temper, is basically Sunny. There's also a Mario in the comics, who a Mario Falcone, who's supposed to be Michael Corleone. So that's why this was very much like that mafia-style crime drama in this story, which I agree was a very great way to, to pivot this story because we didn't really need to see another Batman coming of age or... Batman fighting off against the Joker or you know fighting against the Riddler. It was nice to see him actually take down what's considered the crime in Gotham, the long-standing crime in Gotham. And then the Maronis were also big players in this. I've been around for a little bit longer. They were introduced back in 1942 in Detective Comics number 66. And this is mainly because they need to tie in the creation of Two-Face, the person who was introduced and gets a brand new origin story pretty much here. In this film, Two Face was inspired by Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It was created by Bob Finger and Bill Kane. They saw the movie back in 1931 and they were like, yo, it'll be so awesome if we had an opportunity to create a character who's kind of like this to face off against our Cape Crusader here. And Two Face wasn't supposed to be as big as a character as we thought. He actually got introduced in this three-part story in which not only was he introduced as Harvey Dent, or rather, sorry, he was introduced as Harvey Apollo Kent back in that original comic. And the only reason for the name change is because they didn't want to confuse him with Superman. Yeah, uh, that would have confused you with Superman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in that first comic, he gets introduced and also gets the acid spilled on his face by the Maronis this time by the boss Sal, the boss Moroni. But the second comic is when he has a bit more of a psychotic break. Turning himself into Two Face himself, and then finally it kind of wraps up once again with him being able to get married to his wife Gilda because he gets reconstructive surgery that helps to also heal his psychotic break that he does have. And for a while, Two Face kind of disappeared. They had some people pretend to be him, but it wasn't until pretty much a sixteen-year comic book break. That he was reintroduced after an accident gave him his scars once again. That's just bad luck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you had 16 years of joy and then out. Uh, so this version of the long Halloween introduces a two-faced as a bit of an amalgamation between uh his different origins over the years. So the golden age or this like 1940s version of him where Harvey gets introduced and gets the acid spilled on his face. It's basically been done so often. We actually see it happening in the um, Batman Forever movie with Val Kilmer.
0: Yes, Uh, and Tommy Lee
1: Jones. Yes. (laughs) So in that one, uh, the way that he only got half of the space hit was because Batman in that time was able to jump in the middle of them and protect him from getting hit by the acid, which is pulled straight from the comic. However, more modern versions of his origin story have been stepping away from Batman being present and having it be that Two-Face has always been a part of him. It wasn't just like he just went crazy after the accident. Dent, unfortunately, experienced a very abusive childhood due to his father. And that anger translated into him forming this new identity for himself and creating this dissociative identity disorder within him that eventually snapped after this accident. While well, this purposeful hit, by Sal Maroney in the courtroom. And that is why 2 Faces has been created. It's why um, the creators and the writers of Two-Face now have been really trying to put forward that Dent had this abusive childhood to show that there is a reason behind why Dent snapped in a way after basically being pretty much a chill guy throughout most of the comic book histories and during his time with with Batman and why it made it seem more understandable why he was siding with Batman, fighting alongside Batman as Harvey Dent finally major differences that we saw andrew this is the ROT alteration that's probably gonna i don't know i'm worried <laughs> to share this with you because this may either you may either enjoy this or you're maybe like what the fuck <laughs> yeah let's uh and also previously uh, if you guys
0: didn't catch my drift my alteration was make this a mini series instead of two movies but anyway
1: <laughs> uh yes please go on all right so who is holiday The story plays out pretty much, as I mentioned, pretty much the same. We get introduced to a killer who only kills on holidays. Batman, Gordon, and Dent are following up along the case. They have Selina Kyle who's jumping in randomly. But the reveal didn't happen, once again, kind of like in the film. The reveal didn't happen until the death of Sal Moroni. But this time we actually see who Holiday really is. So while being transported, just like Sal Moroni was, ha- was happening to him, Gordon and a disguised Batman are attacked by Holiday, um, who shoots and kills Sal Moroni while they're traveling underground. And in that moment, when the light passes by just enough, we see that the Holiday killer is none other than Alberto Falcone.
0: Ah, so they got rid of him early in, mm-hmm. okay, in the movie and here okay so that was a nice like little hush bait and switch
1: you're right yes <laughs> so that occam's razor they kept talk- talking about in the film they played it out here and i think that's probably why they kept dropping it there uh but actually again they did play out everything the way that it played out in the comics so alberto falconi was killed in one of the earlier stages of the book so during his supposed death at new years he actually produced a fake body to use during during his funeral and paid off the coroner to pretend like his body was, that was it. Like he was the one that was shot. However, in order to hide what he did, he had to kill the coroner. So that's where by replacing the coroner with the assassin who was going after Harvey in the film, this is how they effectively were able to switch who Holiday would be in the film. Gotcha. And yeah, and again, it was as Batman had explained it. He wanted to take over the family because he felt like his father's ideas and moves were just very antiquated. So Two-Face still gets created. But this time around, um, since Alberto is the holiday killer, he gets captured and gets taken into Arkham, where he's now standing across from from calendar man. And the two of them are fighting back and forth on holidays. Now they're trying to list out the holidays to each other. That's how they spend their time. Right. I mean, first
0: of all, is he really qualified for Arkham? Cause I mean, he just had a thing going. like, I think you just put him <laughs> in regular jail. I have to say hearing both versions. I think I prefer the movies take on it. I think, mm-hmm. I think the movies take, um, it just, it's thematically just so rich that it was his wife the entire time.
1: Well, actually, that's the other thing, too. Ah, there were two holiday killers. Oh, so all right. All right. So, justice played out in the film where it was saying that Harvey kind of was doing it and he wasn't really, under- didn't know he was doing it. And then Gilda kind of took on after the fact. Once again Gilda does take on her holiday killer persona in the comics, but this time she's not doing it to get back at the Falcones for everything that she that they've done to her. Like this whole story of her being married to Alberto and her having her child taken from her, this all never happened really in the comic. This time around it's because Gilda wants to hurry up the process for Harvey to Stop chasing after Falcone, so the two of them could finally live their lives together in blissful happiness. Yeah, but I still like the movie more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a, it was a. I do like this additional depth that they added to her character here, and to have it be like, you know, it stems from this one singular line that she keeps saying out there. It's just like how she doesn't want kids, or sometimes she does want kids. Like she wants the semblance of a family. Uh, this time around in the comic, I, I saw that they they saw a need to build on that a bit more. And I'm glad that they did because it added in some twists and turns into the film that I didn't really see in the comic. Like the whole story arc with like why Catwoman is trying to find out about Falcone wasn't introduced until a much later story arc that Jeff had put together called... Um, Catwoman um went in Rome and that's when we find out that she might have this connection to Carmine Falcons but yeah that's uh more or less what happened with like the major differences and that was really just like who was holiday Gilda has always held the throne of our holiday killer but by switching the partner that she had kind of made or break each side of the story
0: okay okay I can I can vibe with that and you know obviously I'm sure it worked for the original narrative the way it's presented, but I, I do like the idea of Gilda having this tragic connection and that being the downfall of this mob, just like this one thing they just chose to do because she wasn't good enough. She kills them all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So that was our film. That was our comic. Um, you know, I I'm I'm appreciating the fact that we've had the chance to do all these kind of bonus episodes and dive into films and movies and other kind of content that's been going on. But I think it's time that we got back to our format of a singular universe or a singular show that we're hitting. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah,
0: I think it's time to 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 rein it in. You know, because I, you know, so you have a little bit more comfort, a little more, more structure in your lives. <laughs> 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 and our lives too. So, yes, uh next week season 2 begins and you'll watch out for social media this week for us to formally announce season 2. But yeah, season 2 begins in earnest. No more bonus, no, no more no more playing around. It's going to be for real.
1: <laughs> yep, it's going to be shocking when you find out what we're talking about this for season 2 they'll never guess they'll never guess (laughs) all right well until then take care of yourselves and enjoy your halloween may you eat all the candy that alfred has and
0: if a holiday killer starts killing people near you uh just make sure you don't know any mafia guys (laughs) stay away (laughs) from the mafia (laughs) you'll be fine